we pray. Lord, it's good for us to draw near to you. You are the living almighty God. As we have been singing, you are far higher uh, than all the powers of the world. Uh, we know the effects of floods that they can have in, in areas where they occur and the many issues and 
difficulties that arise from them when they take place. And we know that there are many kinds of floods. And we realize that in your uh, providence, uh, that is where we are uh, at the moment. And yet, as the psalmist uh, reminds us in the psalm, it is good for us at such a time uh, to lift our eyes uh, to yourself. Perhaps today uh, we find that much more difficult than usual uh, to see the hand of God. It's not always uh, straightforward. And therefore, Lord, we pray that you yourself would come and speak to us. We thank you that you speak through your word. And as we sing it and read it and think about part of it, uh, that you would speak powerfully and freshly and relevantly to each of us. Lord, we give thanks that your word is a living word, able to penetrate down into the depths of our being, into our thinking processes, into our emotional reactions, and into our choices and intentions and we just pray Lord that your word would speak to each area of our lives and that would be a lamp to our feet and a guide uh, to our path a lamp for our souls and a guide for us as we react uh, to where we are Lord, we pray you would remember each of us here at this time. Remember us as individuals. Uh, remember us as families. We pray you remember uh, Fahi and Greta and their family at this time. And that you would be one who would uphold them and help them. We thank you that you are a very present help in trouble and therefore Lord we pray that you would once again show that is the case uh, for all of us as we're here. So Lord we pray that you would be with us in our service. Uh, we, we realize that there are many other things that we should be thinking about but sometimes there are occasions when it's better for our words to be few and just to focus uh, on who you are and how you can help us at this time we remember those in the congregation <coughs> who are mourning or those uh, connected to those who have passed away in the congregation uh, that you would remember 
all of them as well at this time. So Lord, we pray you be with us and help us in our service and reveal yourself to us as the God who is full of pity as well as power. So bless us, we pray, for your own name's sake. Amen. Uh, I don't have a children's talk today, so at some stage of if, if the children are going out, then that's the situation. Uh, we'll sing again, this time from Psalm 46, and sing Psalms 46a, verses 1 to 7. God is our refuge and our strength and our ever-present aid. And therefore, though the earth gives way, we will not be afraid. Though mountains fall into the sea, though waters foam and roar, we will not fear, though mountains quake as waves engulf the shore. We'll sing verses 1 to 7.
We can read from the book of Psalms and Psalm 107. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way, till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of his inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. 
By his blessing they multiply greatly and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in reckless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad and all wickedness shuts his mouth. Whoever is wise, let them attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. And may God bless that psalm to us. We'll sing again to his praise this time from Psalm 63 and sing psalms and verses 1 to 8. O God, you are my God alone. I seek your face with eagerness. My soul and body thirst for you in this dry, weedy wilderness. Verses 1 to 8.
For a short time, I would like us to think about a verse that's repeated four times in Psalm 107. And it's found in verse 6 and verse 13 and verse 19 and verse 28. And the verse is, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their (coughs) distress. As we saw in the psalm, the author, whose name we do not know, uh, describes a variety of different situations. The situations that he mentions, he may have met the people that were involved in them, or he may just have used them because they describe things that happen repeatedly. As we saw, there are some who were travelers, and they were making their way from one place to another. That's described in verses 1 to 9. Their journey well it was disrupted and then there's those in verses 10 and following their prisoners and they have done something that has caused that to happen to them and they are in prison and obviously their situation is one that's very hard impossible for them to get out of and that's where they are and then in verse 17 uh, to 32 uh, there are those who who become ill for um caused by something they had done themselves and they become ill and they seem to become very ill in verse 18 and they drew near the gates of death and again they're in a situation of where things are quite dark and then the fourth example is sailors on a voyage and they um, seem to be in verse 24 uh, they seem to be um, enjoying the voyage if that's the way to put it and then all of a sudden a storm comes and they are there and the author refers to that And then in the remainder of the psalm, he just looks at the cycle of life. Things prosper, then things start to decline, and then they prosper again. And almost this cycle 
almost circular it just seems to happen and of course what the writer is writing about is divine providence God God present in the activities of life whatever uh, these activities might be and the ones he chose to, to include in his uh, song um, well they're just a variety and many other examples no doubt we can think of them ourselves yet uh, there is something common to all of them and that is that each of them led those enduring them to pray as we read that in our text they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress so I would like us for a brief time just to think about divine providence because that's who God is he's the God of providence all over the world today every single person walking on our planet is reacting to divine providence there is not one person who's not reacting to it in fact the whole creation at its own whatever level we're thinking about in creation it is reacting to divine providence but it's not just reacting to it it is reacting in it because it's impossible to escape divine providence whatever happens to us today that is where we are in divine providence it may sound like a rather simplistic question but if someone was to ask us where do we live and of course when that kind of question is normally asked we would just give our address but I suppose in every day of life we're not in our homes so therefore the question that could be the person asking the question could then respond to us to say but you're not there just now and that would be true it's a rather simplistic example but we could never say that of a divine providence it's our real environment it's where we are always we are never out of it and it's, I think it's important for us uh, to remember that and we'll come back to that particular point later on now providence is easy to state as are a lot of biblical doctrines they're quite easy to state but they're not always easy to appreciate and 
it's important that we bear that um, difference in mind and <coughs> that's not just true of, um, of sinners it was also true of the Savior wasn't it because in the Garden of Gethsemane he reacted to divine providence and he said to his father if it be possible take this cup from me so obviously Jesus knew divine providence much better than we do and he understood it far clearer than we can but there was in his own experience uh, he wanted something else than what he was currently facing and I think that's important for us as well isn't it because we find ourselves in such situations and does Jesus understand that and of course the answer is yes he does understand it but providence is hard at times and it's um, as somebody said it can only be read backwards we, we can't predict the future from providence there's no trajectories in divine providence indicating what's going to happen next we can't as it were draw some lines and say well if we if we follow this then this will happen we can do that in other levels of life but we can never do it with divine providence and Psalm 107 tells us that and we'll think about that in a minute but it is hard at times in divine providence and the Bible takes that into account in numerous places and I'm sure we can all think of sections or even chapters or books in the Bible where that is the case the book of Ruth it's about divine providence the Irish Naomi moving to a country because the one she was in was very bad going through difficult circumstances her husband Elimelech and she and their two children make their way to Moab and Moab although it had what Israel did not have at that time it wasn't, it wasn't undergoing a harvest when the family went to Moab things just got, just got worse and if we were reading the first chapters of the book we would say this is where's the trajectory here and eventually they have to go back to Bethlehem because there's nowhere else to go 
But even when they go back to Bethlehem, there's all sorts of barriers in the way. And we can read the book ourselves and just see how God deals with the difficulties of life. There's the book of Job. What's it all about, the book of Job? It's all about providence. And Job and his three friends, they give their opinions on it. Sometimes they're right, and sometimes they're wrong. And God himself even points out to Job that his thoughts about it were not always correct. But there was nothing in Job's experience, there was no trajectories that indicated what was going to happen next. Jacob. Well, on one occasion he said, all these things are against me. And later on he said, the God who guided me all my life long. different perspectives when he said all these things are against me he may imagine there was a trajectory but if he did he was wrong and in the end he had to look back on his life with all its ups and downs its troubles and its confusion and he said the God who shepherded me all my life long Joseph his providences well where was he heading when he was thrown into the pit by his brothers and when he was sold by them to Egypt to the Midianites who then sold him on in Egypt where is he going what's the trajectory for Joseph well, as we know in Potiphar's house, he ends up going from there to a prison. And in the prison, even though he helps a couple of people, or at least helps one person by interpreting his dream positively, <coughs> that man forgets about him. There's nothing in Joseph's experience that indicates anything's going to get any better. But it did. God did that, didn't he? In providence. And there's the book of Esther, which doesn't even mention God at all. And yet he's never absent from any part of the book. So providence. The facts about it are easy to say. But what's it like to be in it? Sometimes. Because other times it can be very happy and joyful. But other times it can be the opposite. So let's look at Psalm 107 and just identify some things about providence. And maybe they may help us. Five or six, six things I want to say. The first one is that each one in this psalm, each incident in this psalm, 
is a surprise they never expected it the travelers making their journey well if they had known that a sandstorm was coming that would obliterate all the markers they wouldn't have gone would they if the sailors had known that the storm was coming they wouldn't have sailed away that's just common sense they didn't expect the storm any more than the, the travelers expected the signposts to disappear it was all a surprise to them the same goes for the person who is, uh, whose health is affected one day he or she is totally fine the next day well things are not so good surprise and that is one of the most difficult things about providence unexpected the second thing about it is the people that underwent these providences were shocked at the size of it if the traveller if only one or two marks or direct, direct and direction points had disappeared then they could cope but all of them had disappeared it's the same with the sailors on the sea if it's just a small storm then they could handle it and anybody else that happened to be on the boat would have confidence in them but this particular storm that came their way on this occasion well all they can see is the waves there's nothing on the horizon apart from bigger waves and they are overwhelmed by it the providence has come to them as they sail across the sea well they're just overwhelmed bewildered perplexed same goes for the person whose health has just dramatically declined they're just shocked at the size of what's happened they are also what we could say they are straightened <coughs> straightened in the sense of all the resources have disappeared I mean it's not just the things they couldn't do that have proved um, of no benefit it's actually the things they could have done in the past but now they're no use the traveller may have known the desert back to front but now things have just so changed that his previous gifts and abilities are they're kind of pointless 
The same goes for the sailors. The storm is too much for them and their boat. They can't do anything to deliver themselves. It says there in 37, they're just reeling and staggering at the wit's end. They're just, well, what can they do? The same goes for the man that's lost his health. Who can help him? And these pictures that are used in this psalm, they're highlighting for us, aren't they? The surprise and the shock and the poverty of their abilities. What can they do? Well, they could be stoical. and sort of respond by saying what will be will be but that wouldn't have been a good response we can see from the psalm that instead of being stoical they were distressed and from the point of view of the psalmist while the distress was or the cause of the distresses sorry the causes of the distress were unwelcome the distress was appropriate indeed it was the only appropriate response and their distress was not an indication of absence of faith because as we can see in our text they cried in their distress to the Lord in their dilemma where could they go they couldn't look to themselves they couldn't look to anybody else the sailors on the ship as it were who could they look to the travelers in the desert who could they look to the only one they could look to was the Lord and it's important I think to note from verse the text that their response was a communal one they didn't as it were put themselves into some kind of isolation and then call on God out of their individual reacts appreciation of what had happened but rather they cried together and in a certain sense as they cried together because they were all of them in the same situation they had empathy as they cried together they were crying with the ones who were undergoing the same distress the men in the boat they all shared their same fears the men maybe women too traveling through the desert they all shared the same anxieties those who had the ill health they're plural as well according to verse 18 
they understood where they were all of them and therefore they in their distress and of course distress is a very strong word it does include sadness but it's also sadness that's accompanied by bewilderment and how are we going to get out of this is the cry that they bring to God and of course they bring it to God because they know he can help they go to God because he's the only one who can help and they cry to the Lord and the man that wrote the psalm tells us that each of the different scenarios that God had the answer that those who were lost in the desert he led them by a straight way those who were struggling in the middle of a stormy sea he brought a calm those who were not well he sent out his word and healed them and even those who were in prison he brought them out of their dark cell that they were in the cell of no hope they called on God and of course we can do the same we call on God because he is powerful and we call on God because he is wise and is never baffled by any situation each of the situations in this psalm were totally baffling to those who faced them but none of the situations caused any bafflement in God he's the only wise God who knows how to answer prayers that are offered to him from desperate hearts for his help and the psalm tells us that and he's also a caring God I mean he's the God who tells us to cast our burdens upon him and sometimes our burdens are huge so where are we going to get the strength to cast them? I mean casting our burdens on the Lord is not the equivalent of flicking a finger and somehow expecting the, the, the burden to evaporate. Rather we have to ask him for his strength so that we would be empowered to cast them on the Lord. And he is able to answer such prayers far above what we can ask or think. God, well, he's our help, as we're told elsewhere in ages past. And our hope for the future too. <coughs> and we have to turn to the Lord. We can think of Jesus and the disciples were in the boat in the storm he knew that they were there and the astonishing thing about that incident in, or at least one astonishing thing about that incident is not so much that Jesus could walk on the water 
It's that he could actually walk on the storm. The storm became the means for him to get to help them. I mean, Jesus could have walked on the water where it was calm or where it was stormy. But on that occasion, he came to them on the storm or in the storm, whatever way you want to look at it, and he was able to come to them right when they were going through many of the thoughts that this psalm describes the suddenness of the storm and the size of the storm the shock it gave to them although they were fishermen they were found that their skills were no use and they cried to for help and where is the help going to come from we know the story but who would have ever thought beforehand that it would come to them by Jesus walking on the water but he did Lamentations book of Lamentations well the title of the book just describes it but as a writer of that book as he laments what's happened to the, his beloved city of Jerusalem what's his remedy well he tells us there in, in Lamentations 3 and 21 and 24 but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope on him. <coughs> so God is there. Just a couple of things as I conclude. What should we focus on? I'm sure lots of things could be said in answer to that question. But Providence tells us that God is involved. There's no, as I mentioned earlier, there's no one in the world today who's not involved in God's providence. There's not an inch geographically and there's not a second of time in which God is not. And we have to remember that. We never find ourselves where he is not. But sometimes God's omnipresence seems a bit well just above us and beyond us and in a certain sense that's right God is above us but he's also near to us how near is God well as somebody else put it he's only a prayer away 
How long does a prayer have to be? One word. Help me, Lord. That's three words. It can just be, I don't know if you ever had done this. Just in the middle of the whatever is going on, you just find this cry, and I think Paul refers to it in Romans 8. The only cry that comes is, Father. Just as a little child, if perhaps it's imagining uh, something catastrophic to happen, it just calls out, Father or Mother. Just one word. And the Heavenly Father is the same. How near is God? He may seem far away, but He's not far away. He's as close, close to our hearts. Where does prayer come from? From our hearts. Help, Lord. And he's there. The Lord loves to answer prayer. (coughs) So he's involved and he's near. And I think we should also remind ourselves of his nature. A lot of things can be said about God's nature. And many a person has written about them and very helpfully as well. But what does God say is most important about himself? What does he put at the top of the list? Well he tells us his tender mercies are above all his other works so whatever else God is doing of course who can possibly describe everything that God is doing but his own word tells us that that his pity and his compassion (coughs) are above everything else that he does the Lord our God is merciful and he is gracious long suffering and slow to wrath and mercy plenteous we are to remember his nature and the last thing I'm going to say is this in times of crisis in times of distress in times of pain and in times of confusion and disappointment and shock and perhaps even despair we have to think of the world for such things don't exist and in our groanings as Paul tells us in Romans 8 we have to realize in a very 
unusual way these groanings are expressions of longing for the perfect world for none of the things that disrupt our lives in this world will be present there's no lost travelers in the heavenly world there's no boats about to sink in the heavenly world there's no people with life threatening illnesses in the heavenly world there's no prisons marked by despair in the heavenly world there's no cycles of prosperity and poverty in the heavenly world and we are told about it so that we can groan for it groan positively even in the times of our deepest sorrow so may God help us to focus on him for his own name's sake shall we pray Lord we come to you we come in our confusion to the only wise God we come in our weakness to the almighty God we come in our fear to the God of tender compassion we come to you Lord in the midst of a world where things can be turned upside down we come to you whose throne doesn't move in the slightest and we ask you Lord for your help so provide it we pray for your own name's sake Amen We'll sing from Psalm 27 and sing psalms and we'll sing verses 4 and 5, three stanzas. One thing I'll plead before the Lord and this I'll seek always that I may come within God's house and dwell there all my days. Verses 4 to 5.
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.